Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the Desi Sportscast Cricket Show with Prasang. And on today's show, um, we're going to be looking at uh, test matches going on that's of interest to us. Normally, we don't talk about other cricketing nations, but we're going to be talking about uh, New Zealand and how they're faring against uh, England. Uh, we're going to be ranking, well, not me, the experts are going to be ranking, as I mentioned yesterday in the tweet, their top 10 international players in IPL in terms of performances and impact. And after last week's, um, well, incredible rankings in one case, uh, we'll see if there's any surprises this week uh, from the King of Nagpur. And we're going to have round three of the quiz as well, which um, the, the person representing CSK and MS Tony absolutely literally handed the win to Virat Kohli and his representative last week. And I'm going to start by him. Welcome, Prasthan. How are you? I'm very well, Bharat. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, yeah, luckily it's, it's at one all and there's something to play for. So looking forward to it. Prasthan, that was a, what can I say, a big defeat last week in terms of um, handing the victory to uh, Nevin. <laughs> Have you recovered from that and lessons learned? Sorry, sorry, I, I couldn't hear you. What was that? I, I was I was speaking to um, Shashwat and I was uh, saying warm welcome to the show. And after the defeat that you uh, ha had to face last week, lessons learned? Yes, less, quite a lot of lessons learned. Uh, for, for that to happen, though, I need to be in such a situation where I know everything and so that I cannot divulge the answer to Prasen. I am hoping for a return of the favour this time round. So let's see how that goes. Yes, we, I'm looking forward to it already. And uh, we will see how um, the quiz goes. But that's at the um, um, third stage of the uh, show today. But um, I just wanted to kick off the show. And I know both of you have been covering um, the test match uh, that's going on at Lords between England and New Zealand especially yourself, uh, Shashwat. Um, what have you made of the first three, well, two days? I mean, you saw what the English summer was like. Everybody's used to it. Um, how have you seen the first two days? Uh, first two days uh, were quite good. Uh, Old-fashioned test cricket, attritional test cricket, especially the first day. So I don't think there, if there is a result possible on the pitch that they are playing on currently. I would have sided towards the result had there been any sort of play yesterday. But with another 180 or 178 overs at max remaining, I don't see an outcome coming out of this particular test match. So I guess the remaining days might be an opportunity for both sides to get a psychological blow over the other so that they can go into the test at Edge Bastion with the series still on the line. And um, Shashwat, we talked about this test, um, uh, you know, on the last two podcasts and, you know, we thought what would the team selection be with the New Zealand, because there's a World Test Championship at stake, might rotate, but they went with a full strength side at uh, Lords. Any surprises for you in team selection? Uh, I always felt that they would approach the first test of the summer with their full strength squad, as full strength as it can be, obviously, without Trent Bolt, who's still back in New Zealand. But apart from that, I always felt they would want to get their summer off to a good start so that the confidence starts running through the team. And then they can probably experiment in the second game with, let's say, someone like Matt Henry coming in 
they might also look at Daryl Mitchell as an option for Colin De Grand because I feel the two all rounders that are playing in this game, Colin De Grand and Mitchell Satner, those are the two spots that will be up for grabs when New Zealand take on India as well in the World Test Championship final. So I think the second test they might be a little more inclined to experiment with that with those sorts of combinations and obviously they might also want to test out how their spinner could do and the damage that he could inflict single-handedly considering that Southampton has usually been a venue that can spin and where the spinner might get important even against India. Yeah, and you make a very good point there because, um, you know, the weather, apart from yesterday, has been warm um, and it's predicted for the next two weeks to be stay the same, um, 20 degrees plus. So, it, a spinner might definitely come into the equation and, um, you know, one of those spaces might uh, go. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But, Prasan, coming to you, for a test batsman getting a double century at Lords on debut, it's it's not a bad start, is it? Yeah, absolutely not. I think uh, it couldn't have come any better for him. And the fact that luck was on his side, the top pitch could have easily landed in the fielder's hands, but uh, went over the rope and, uh, you know, he could celebrate that milestone. So, I think uh, it, it's a wonderful achievement for Conway because um, we've seen, I mean, we've his struggles have been well documented. We've read uh, a lot of uh, articles and we've seen videos of uh, how he's come through the ranks. And for him to prove his worth even in the test format, you know, it's it's really important because... Uh, he was obviously in good form in the T20s and for him to produce this knock and uh, really unfortunate that he couldn't carry his bat through. But I think he's really uh, made a statement with the way, way he batted and um, I think it's very, very positive signs for New Zealand. And uh, Sheshwat, I know you, you've been um, commentating on this uh, test match. Um, how did he see his knock? A uh, bit of luck or was it one of those dream innings? Uh, so... Uh, I followed Devon Conway's career relatively closely since he has made his international debut at least and uh, I always felt that test cricket was perhaps the one format where he was always going to be successful because he is quite determined in the way he approaches games. He has he does not have a cluttered mindset. He, he is very calculative but the most important part of his innings this time round was that he was willing to capitalize on all the loose balls that were presented to him. So especially in the first session when Anderson and Prod both were looking for swing and were pitching the ball up, Conway was not shy of going on, getting onto the front foot and driving them through the covers or driving them down the ground. That is something that injected momentum into New Zealand's innings and uh, with Tom Latham being historically a slow starter, I think Devon Conway can complement him very well because as long as he is opening the batting, he will definitely get a lot of deliveries in his arc because that is also the wicket-taking arc for the bowlers. But as things stand, he looks quite equipped to handle it. So, I feel that this is the first hundred of many to come for Devon Conway in Test cricket and international cricket at large. And Prasan, they keep finding these players, although this one they had to go to South Africa for. Um, but um, you said that, you know, you read a bit about him and um, his, his, his struggles, uh, but um, he found his feet at uh, in Test cricket straight away. But... Uh, were you surprised with his performance considering his struggles? Absolutely not. I think uh, struggles make a person really uh, strong. You know, I, I did speak to Varun Aaron earlier today for an interview and he was speaking about how uh, his stress fractures and how his injuries have really hampered his performances. But at the same time, uh, it's made him a better player. And I think Devin Conway is of the same mold. You know, he's come through 
the ranks in New Zealand cricket, having come from that uh, South African, um, you know, background and all of that he's had to go through. So for him to uh, make the mark uh, at a very young age, and for him to sort of uh, come through the domestic scene and then make his international debut and score a double century at Lords is a fantastic achievement. So. Um, I think due credit um, to Devon Conway, obviously, he's not the typical test cricket batsman where he's going to grind it out and he's going to only, you know, play the uh, defensive game. We could see that he was looking to um, score uh, quite a few runs and he was looking to take the bowlers on. So, it's positive signs and I'm really hoping for a lot more to come. Hopefully not in the World Test Championship final. Absolutely. And um, Sheswood says, you know, obviously the whole day lost, uh, a result's going to be difficult and they'll be probably moving to um, Baston to see uh, if the result can be found. But um, uh, in terms of um, uh, a, a, a result uh, being planned or something like that, do you see the captains taking that route, Prasant? Uh, or is that too much at stake to... Uh, well, for, for, the, for the first test, I don't think so because, uh, I mean, they probably want to play it safe and uh, they'll, they'll look to give the players as much practice as they can. Um, anyway, they've batted, so I think they'll want the bowlers to get some, um, you know, some at least from, from the New Zealand perspective. So, England, I think they'll look to go big. They obviously have the batting, so they look to get as close to the target as they can and then uh, give New Zealand probably a chance to bat again and see if their bowlers can do the job. So, I don't think declarations on the card from both sides. Uh, they look to take the match deep and uh, try and get a result. But considering one day is already washed out, I don't think that's possible. And finally, uh, with you, Sheshwat, um, I know it's only been a couple of days and the Kiwis have only had one innings. And, um, you know, they've made a good start with the bowl. But, um, and we knew they were going to be, or are going to be, very tough uh, for the World Test Championships. But um, a few lessons for India already being learned. Uh, so, one lesson that I learned on the first morning itself was that uh, Indian bowlers might fancy the chances against Ross Taylor. So, that was one takeaway that I got right from the first session itself, for first couple of sessions, because he has a tendency to walk across his stumps and with all of our bowlers capable of darting the ball back into him, I think that is a weakness that the Indians would have definitely picked up on. Apart from that, they might want to start circulating some plans for Devon Conway because for a large part of the last year, Tom Blundell has been opening alongside Tom Latham. So, India might have been preparing for Blundell. But now that Conway is set to open against India at the World Test Championship final, I think that is something that India might need to look at. From the bowling perspective, I think uh, Kyle Jameson is still not at bowling at full tilt. As in, he has not been in the sort of rhythm that he was during his international home summer. Apart from that, Saudi is a much difficult proposition to handle as things stand. And with Neil Wagner, you just never know when the others stop getting wickets at that time, Neil Wagner gets them. So, I don't think there has been a lot to learn for India from the opening couple of days. But yeah, there are a couple of things that surely the Indi or I hope the Indian team management has picked up already. And one maybe positive, uh, Prasant, is, well, for India, but for New Zealand, do you think the collapse in the lower order is a bit of a worry? Well, for us, it's a worry that Neil Wagner can score runs and score them the way that he did. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, the, anyone knew that he could bat with such class. I think it was a very, very good knock for him. But, yeah, I think like, like uh, Shashat mentioned, uh, Ross Taylor seems to be in a little bit of a pickle and... Uh, 
if we can get that middle order out early, I think um, BJ Watling didn't last for long either. So it, it's positive signs for sure. And obviously, England don't have that quality spinner. That's something that we will have. Um, and of course, considering the fact that uh, you know Southampton might uh, assist spin, you never know. I mean, we haven't really gone there yet. So uh, considering how it might be, considering we have a lot more variations in the Indian bowling attack, I think uh, we're, we're well suited to uh, uh, for us to sort of push for a win. And hopefully, if the New Zealand uh, middle order crashes the way they did and uh, De Grand Home doesn't cut his hair, I think we're in good for a good contest. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But already in, very interesting, and it, it's just good that it's panned out so we can have a look at the Kiwis before uh, the World Test Championship. And we've seen the Indian team arrive and getting settled in Southampton, and um, they've not got a bad view from the hotel. But we'll see, you know, for the first two weeks, I'm sure any trip is fine. It's after that that the bubble will start taking its effect, and uh, we'll see if it has an impact. But um, they've got they brought the weather with them, which is good. Uh, we're always happy when uh, the Indian team arrives and brings the weather with them. So that's a good for us uh, living in England. Uh, but moving on to the next uh, stage of the show, um, it is, I just wanted your comments on something that I read this week. And I'll start with you, Prasant, in terms of the plight of domestic cricketers and um, the fact that, you know, there's been hardly any domestic cricket and uh, some of them, uh, not getting the payments that probably they were due. Um, has this pandemic brought out, you know, the issues with domestic cricket that have been covered basically by the BCCI's, you know, money-making machine in the IPL and, um, you know, that they look after the test team and the uh, internationals and um, the players that are contracted really well, but it's sort of, you know, highlighted the domestic players who struggle in, in, in cricket, when especially when there's no cricket, and is it sustainable? Yeah, obviously, I think it was bound to come up at some point in time because, uh, you know, the domestic circuit is very, very highly valued in India considering uh, the, the number of players who uh, are sort of uh, promoted to the Indian team. But having said that, obviously, there's been no domestic cricket. There are no signs of domestic cricket either, uh, you know, considering the T20 World Cups are uh, going to happen after the IPL and then after that, uh, there are going to be a couple of tours. So, we, we're not really sure what's happening with the domestic circuit. And obviously, players have come out in the open and they've said that they haven't been paid. It's only natural because if you don't get paid, you're bound to bring it up. Um, you know, the names haven't come out, but uh, it was only natural that players come out and they say that, you know, we haven't been paid because that's their only means of living. Uh, apart from that, it's not like they're doing any other day job and they play cricket. Along with that, um, playing domestic cricket is something that they train for. Uh, something that they, you know, play as a means of living. And if, if that's not, if that, you know, their salary hasn't been paid on time, uh, you know, it, it's only fair that they, they sort of come out in the open and uh, give out the news that they haven't been uh, given that money. So I think it, it's only fair that uh, they, the whole point has been brought out. And I think in some sense, it it adds extra emphasis on BCCI's uh, prime focus, which is obviously IPL, uh, considering that they are going to conduct it in UAE um, and the fact that the, T20 World Cup might also be shifted there with the BCI big wigs traveling to UAE. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that there is some sort of domestic cricket that's going to happen after the T20 World Cup. Uh, we saw how the Said Mushtaq Ali was fit in. Uh, Vijay Hazare also happened. So I'm ha I'm hoping that it comes up comes about. But uh, the Ranji Trophy is also going to be equally important. So I'm hoping that you know it it sort of comes about somehow. But unfortunately for now, it doesn't look um, to be announced anytime soon. And Sheshwat, coming to you, I mean, for players like uh, where you're at the moment in, uh, with Arba, is it um, 
pretty much a living playing domestic cricket. And obviously it must be even harder for players in the Northeast, you know, all these states that have come in, which is really good. We've expanded the game. But is it sustainable? I mean, it is for the big uh, states like Delhi, Karnataka, Mumbai, um, the three teams in Gujarat teams to be financially sound. But, um, you know, having a 30-team uh, Ranji Trophy or, you know, they all participate in all the tournaments, is it sustainable? Sheshwat? Have we lost Sheshwat? Oh, he can't. Can you hear me, Shashwat? I can't hear him. We can't hear you, Shashwat. Um, no, I think we've just lost the sound to you. Hello? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, uh, so I feel that uh, it is quite sustainable and... Uh, by sustainable, I mean it is a model that needs to keep going on. So I have my reasons as well. Uh, so first of all, when you talk about any domestic competition or the structure of any domestic competition, it is necessary for it to be inclusive because you never know where talent will eventually come from. And the, the thing about uh, harnessing talent is you also need the right infrastructure. So what these tournaments are actually doing is they are providing these associations, the states that are not historically known for cricket or not his, or have not historically been a part of the Ranji Trophy or the other domestic competitions. It is giving them an opportunity. It is giving them a goal to aim for. And uh, though that will not happen instantly, it certainly sets the platform for them also for them to also come onto this bandwagon and then try to make their cricketing structure a lot more inclusive, which in turn would eventually lead to the national cricketing landscape being a lot more inclusive. So, if you want to draw further parallels, it is just, you can draw it quite easily with the World Cup and the number of teams and the recent news that came out that the ICC wanted to expand it. Unless you give these small teams an opportunity to actually compete on the big stage against some of the uh, historically bigger teams, uh, you will not really find cricket developing in those countries or in those areas. So I think the BCCI has done very well to accommodate these teams over the last four or five years and I think it should definitely continue. Even though the counter-argument might be that the tournament gets a little boring because if the big team clashes with the small team, it sort of makes it a poor conclusion. But I still feel it needs to exist for the simple fact that it will allow more cricketers to come out of India and it will provide more people with a livelihood. Yeah, um, the expansion is good and it uh, opens up the base. But uh, just a final point on this one to you, Prasant. Do you think the BCCI should increase finance on BP? I mean, those are even a talk of uh, having some sort of central contract for all the domestic players. I mean, BCCI is not short of funds. Do you think that might be a solution? Well, I, I, I think I think that's certainly a solution. But what that would mean is, you know, the, the players are still not getting an opportunity to sort of highlight their skills because, you know, only the only the main teams or only after the knockouts, we see the matches on TV. So I think there should be equal money invested both in broadcasting and in player contracts uh, because not only will that help players sort of establish themselves as uh, domestic uh, players with that money, but it will also sort of ensure that we have uh, enough money in broadcasting and important matches are shown on TV, which will give players an extra incentive to sort of perform uh, and put their best foot forward. So, uh, yeah, the, the domestic players have to be played, uh, paid more as well. 
but at the same time i think bcca should do more to uh, sort of uh, broadcast matches as well yeah absolutely and uh, it's something that i'm sure we'll be talking about as we move to the new season and but it's good that the uh, stories are being highlighted and uh, hopefully some sort of support will be put in place um something that was highlighted um this week in some of the messages was the uh, selection that you guys did last week for the captains of india and it raised a few eyebrows quite a few eyebrows like i said at the start of the show and this week the challenge for the two experts was to rank the top 10 internationals that have played um the ipl and i gave the gentleman the list that included uh, Brendan McCollum, Chris Gale, the big names that we're all familiar with, Jane Watson, A.B., Lasset, Dwayne Bravo, uh, David Warner, Karen Pollard, Sunil Narayan, and Jack Tallis. Um, and, you know, give their rankings as to who they think has had the biggest impact for their team in terms of performances and in the IPL. But before I come to your list, uh, and I'll start with you, Shashua, to you, Prasant, first. Any players that you think should have been included in that list? As always, this list is um, just my opinion. Everybody has theirs as to who should be included and who should uh, possibly not be in that list. But any any names that stood out for you? Mm, I might have been inclined towards Rashid Khan. Yeah, yeah, I saw Rashid, but I think he needs to play a few more seasons. Don't you yeah, think? so long, long, longevity, longevity is an issue for him. Apart from that, uh, probably Michael Hussey. Yeah, yeah, an- another one. Um, but um, um, yeah, we'll see if we can. I'm getting messages around um, the echo. Um, we are trying to sort that. I'm trying to sort that, but uh, just bear with us. Um, in terms of uh, your five, uh, Shashwat, I'll start with you and let's uh, see how you start. Um, give me your 10 to 6. Okay, so first of all, I'd like to put it on record that this was very, very tough for me to actually Tougher rank than last 10 week? of Uh, yes, easily. Wow, last okay. week at least I had uh, three or four people I knew where to put them, but this week it was really, really tough. So, I let's see if I've done justice or not. So, uh, at number 10, I put Jack Kellis. Wow, okay. Uh, at number nine, Brandon McCallum. Hold on, let me see if I can get these players uh, right. At number nine, Brandon McCallum. Yes, yeah. at at number eight, Dwayne Bravo. Okay. Uh, at number seven, Sunil Narayan. Number seven. Okay. Yeah. And number six is David Warner. Right. Wow. Okay. Already a few there. That, um, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll question you about it. Let's hear um, Prasant's uh, 10 to 6. As much as it hurts me, and I'm very sorry if Mechelum ever comes across this, number 10 is Mechelum for me. Wow, the guy who really had launched the IPL with his incredible innings at the start. Yeah, well, so at number nine is uh, Jack Scalis. Again, I'm surprised that it's nine and ten. Yeah. Then I've got Sunil Narayan. So yeah, I'm surprised with that one as well, <laughs> considering he's gone. Yeah. 
uh, and then I've got Shane Watson. Wow. Okay. And then as much as it pains me, I have to say Chris Gale. Wow. And I thought uh, last week's was controversial, but uh, <laughs> this is the one that people are going to question in the bottom five. So I have to start with you, Prasan. Chris Gale, Mr. Universe, or why, why, yeah, well, I mean, why uh, is he made your top five? That is a big, big call. Yeah, I mean... Uh, is it because uh, so, he left so, RCB? <laughs> I, I I say that's the second reason, but that's not on him. So I I won't uh, I won't uh, uh, you know blame him for that. But I think solely because you know he's had absolutely scintillating performances. That one seventy five is obviously my favorite knock of all time. But having said that, you know it's really unfortunate that uh, that hasn't led to title winning performances. I think the others in the top five have obviously contributed in majorly to uh, title wins. And that's just something that uh, Gail uh, unfortunately hasn't been able to do. Um, Abe de Villiers, as a matter of fact, why he's in my top five is because he's contributed to more wins than Chris Gale has. Um, so I think that's the only reason I think uh, Gale has had a couple of off seasons as well. Um, and that's the only reason why uh, Chris Gale's at the number six position for me. He had five or six years with RCB and because he didn't bring a title in, has that judged your, has that clouded your judgment? Yeah, it certainly has because, I mean, uh, the other players have have directly or indirectly led to uh, title wins. And, uh, you know, take, take Pollard, Bravo, Warner, whoever it is, uh, you know, it was it was between ABD and Warner for me because uh, I, I neither of them have, uh, uh, sorry, it was ABD or Gale for me because neither of them have won a title. And Chris Gale, I mean, he's been, he's had some fantastic performances, but just that he's been a tad bit inconsistent when it comes to batting, when compared to ABD, and uh, that's why he's at six, and uh, I think I've given away who my number five is now. Sashwat, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of you went for Jack Tallis, one of the greatest all-rounders at nine and ten, respectively. Why so low for such a player? Uh, so, if we are talking about the pedigree of international cricketers to have played in the IPL, Jack Ellis would have been top of the list because... He is perhaps one of the two best all-rounders to have ever played our sport, to put it very plainly, across format. But the thing is, apart from a couple of seasons with KKR, where he was very influential opening the batting, I don't think he has contributed as much as some of the others on this list, even though he was one of the three-dimensional cricketers that existed at that point in time as well. But I feel when you talk about his overall contributions, how his suitability was to the IPL, how he tried to mould himself into that opener's role for KKR. Because if you remember, there was there were a couple of seasons where Jack Callis was absolutely brilliant at the top of the order. He used to shepherd the team, he used to anchor the innings. But once he started declining, there were also quite a few instances where his strike rate in the power play and those sorts of things started catching up with KKR. So... As a whole, I feel I couldn't have put Jack Callis above any of the other nine people in my list. I mean, to, fair, to be fair to Jack Callis, he's still in the top 10 of international run scorers. And I think he's in the top 15, 16 in terms of bowling. Um, so his contribution to his teams was, uh, you know, with bat and ball. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, Prasant, both of you did not rain. Brendan McCallum, who really put the IPL on the map, would you? Is that unfair to say? He certainly did, and uh, unfortunately, that and probably that hundred he scored against Sunrisers will remain his two biggest. And 
probably the only two achievements that uh, that sort of mccallum uh, has to his credit in the ipl you know as much as uh, people uh, herald him for uh, setting the you know setting the platform for others to take over from what he did unfortunately hasn't done much of note uh, probably um, you know he 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 wasn't in the greatest of form otherwise so i i'd say that's the only reason why uh, mccallum is bottom of the list for me and uh, in terms of performances and consistency uh, yeah there was nothing much else from mccallum so that's the only reason he's at number 10 for me well okay um this week you shocked me prasan uh, with chris gale at number 6 uh, so i need a little bit of time to recover you guys <laughs> don't have that time because um i'm going to do the quiz now i know the, the show is going to be slightly shorter than normal and i do apologize for that uh, but um uh we're going to bring the quiz in um because uh, last week uh, you know it was handed on a plate to um prasan so this week we will see and it's the scores as everybody knows stands at uh, 1-1 and this week um you know i've had to step up my game as well because the the guys have been incredible um in terms of the first two they've known all the players and uh, even back to 2008 they knew the starting lineup so this, this week chesrod and prasan we all know how much dot balls are important in, in t20 cricket they're very very important and they're part of the stats now so my test for you today is 25 players throughout the IPL history have bowled 700 or more dot balls and it, the question for you guys is can you name those 25 so you're looking at bowlers not necessarily being the best at taking wickets but being economical so this week because prasan you won last week i'm going to start with you there's 25 players I know Harbhajan Singh is there. <laughs> yes, so start with the obvious. It's um, Shashwat. <laughs> uh, I'll go for a little left field choice because uh, I remember when he had accomplished this, a lot of it was made. He was playing at CSK at that time. Is Ashish Nehra on the list by any chance? I'm pretty sure Ashish Nehra is on the. L- oh wow! I better double check actually. How much IPL did he play though? Yes, Ashish Nehra is on the list. Yes, I had to scroll down a bit, but he is on the list. <laughs> Prasan, um, Sunil Narayan, Sunil Narayan, yeah, all the big names coming out. Well, I say Ashish Nehra is a big name for me. <laughs> uh, I'll go with someone who just achieved this feat in the IPL season gone by Akshar Patel. Akshar, of course, my fellow Gujarati. Prasan uh Malinga that's it of course oh, with his yorkers that's what Amit Mishra Amit Mishra yeah going with the uh, spin after Akshar uh Ashwin R Ashwin not M Ashwin uh, <laughs> just making it clear <laughs> the legendary all-rounder the still looking to get into the T20 World Cup Uh, Shashwat. Yep. Uh, Dale Stain. Dale Stain, of course. <laughs> oh God, I think we should have made a note of all the names that have gone by so far. Can you please tell us now? 
Okay, I'll just tell you this once. We keep breaking the rules every week. But uh, Arbadan, Ashwin, Narayan, uh, Mishra, Del Stain. I don't Axel. even have a pen. <laughs> Axel Patel, Ashish Nera, and Malinga are the ones that you've chosen. So we've had how many? You've had eight so far? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, could uh, you just take it? You've had, yeah. yeah. I, I need a pen. <laughs> yeah, what are those? Harpajan? Ashwin. Sunil uh -huh. Narayan. Lassit Malinga. Amit Mishra. Del Stain. Akshar Patel. And Ashish Nera. Okay. Um, three, six... Seven, eight, right? We've had eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go with Bumrah. Jaspit, of course, he's going to be on that list. Jadeja? Yes, of course. Yep. So Ravi is in there. Chahal? U UV, of course, you Bender, Chahal from RCV. That's what uh, I think Sandeep Sharma could he be in that list? He can be in that list, yes. He's still playing his trade, so he's still talking up those top balls. Hassan. Uh just because Bravo's been there for a long time, I'll say Bravo. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely not Darren. I think he's played the most outwards. Actually, no, he was. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. Dwayne Bravo is in there. Legend for CSK. Sheshwat? Nair Khan? No. Zahir Khan from Mumbai. No, he's not on the list and I can't believe it. This must be the first time. Are you sure? Zayir Khan is not on the list. I am scrolling right down and he's... Are you surprised he's, he should be on the list? Yeah, I think he should be because he was pretty good for the first five or six seasons to get 700 dot balls in five or six seasons. I think he should have. Well, now you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> This might be controversial. Of course, he's on the list. This is me. You're testing me here. Zahir Khan is on the list. Uh, 6, 9, 12, 14. How many do you say there were? 30? There were 25. 25. Okay, okay um, I'll go with Bhuvi. Bhuvi, of course, yes. That's what. I I'll go with. Is Watson on there? I mean Watson. I should have asked you which one, but yeah, he's on there. Uh, I think he, I know who you meant. Prasan. Uh. Chami hasn't played much. Thinking of all the Indian bowlers who have played. Uh, Ishan Sharma? Ishan Sharma is on the list, yes. 
more than 700 dot poles that he has. Keshwat. Uh, I'll go with another Indian bowler only, Irfan Pathan. Irfan Pathan is. Yeah, you're not going for the obvious ones. I'll have to say that, Shashwat. Pathan. I am not remembering any. Uh, I think we've got seven left. I'm trying to think of guys who have played the IPL for a long time. Vinay <laughs> uh, uh, Kumar? Vinay Kumar is in there, yes. How many dot balls does he have? I, I thought I was definitely getting that one wrong. Vinay Kumar. He's got 763. He's in the top okay. 20. No, just outside. He's 21st. Uh, my chance, right? Yeah. Uh, is Dawal Kulkarni on there? He is, yes. <laughs> knowledge is incredible, both of you. One, two... 5, 8, 11, 14, 17, 20. Oh, God. We're in the relegation scrap now. Or unless we don't know any. <laughs> hmm. I'm just... Uh, by the sheer domination he's had in, like, such less matches... Is Rashid Khan on the list? Rashid Khan, I don't... No, no, no. He probably needs another season. Um, He's got 688. He's 26. 12, just... Oh, God. <laughs> he was just outside the list. Clearly relegation scrap. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But not a bad shout considering he's only played 69 matches. I'm yeah, I mean, sorry. everyone looks to play him out and, you know, that's, uh, that's obviously dodgeball, so... Did you have one more, Shashwat? Uh, yeah, I, I remember a couple of names. Hit me. So, first, uh, I'll say Umesh Yadav. Yes, yes. Oh, man. It was going to be between Shami and Umesh for me, but I, like, <laughs> I didn't trust either of them. No, well played, well played. I mean, that's the first time you guys did not finish my list, so I'm a little bit proud. I did find something that you guys could not complete. So this I is actually a victory. remember two more names that we might have missed out. Go on. Uh, I think RP Singh should be in there. He, he is in there. Four or five very good seasons. And what RP Singh? Yes. Yeah. What? RP Singh. I tell you the logic. I'll tell you the logic behind my guesses also. And surely Piyush Chavla also has to be there because he has played for so long. I didn't guess Piyush Chawla. What? No. Piyush Chawla is in the top 10. Oh my god. So I very, was, very bad day. I, I was largely looking for opening bowlers because that is when you accumulate a lot of dot balls because it is either boundary six Amazing. Absolutely so, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Fair play. But uh, this <sighs> could have been 3-0, but it isn't. It's 2-1. Um, so... 
TSK are back uh, ahead in this five-match series. So fantastic. Just uh, was absolutely incredible knowledge. Once again, Prasant, very unlucky. Very, very unlucky. You found uh. the player that was just 12 goals short. And I know for a fact he will be in that list next season. So... Uh, by the way, just as a bit of curiosity, was Morne Morkel in that list? He as was. Well? Yes, you got all, all of them. Morne Morkel. <laughs> well, I was confused between Albi and Morne because Albi bowled a lot of overs in the power play for CSK. So that's why I didn't go with that guess a little earlier. Uh, Morne Morkel just gets in there with 728. Uh, sorry, 708. He's 24th, just ahead of Axel, who will overtake him. And Rashid. Khan, who Prasan will not forget, and he will look out for the dot pools, I'm sure, when the IPL resumes. Maybe, you know what, if the IPL had continued, he would have gone over that 700. Yeah, I mean, uh, Saurav Ganguly is to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder yeah. he wasn't top of your captain's list. <laughs> amazing, amazing, fantastic. Okay, no, I really enjoyed that, fantastic. Okay, let's see if any more shocks in terms of your top 10 international players. So, <laughs> Shashwat, you did uh, give me a bit of a heads up in terms of uh, there might be a shock as to who's number one, but give me your top five. Uh, so at number five, I put Chris Gale. Again, that's a surprise for me. I thought it'd be the top three, both, both of you. Yep. So I wasn't too bad, was I? <laughs> no, after that, no, absolutely not. Uh... Now I have a bit of a controversy brewing with this call because I've gone with ABD Villiers at number four. No. Oh dear. That is controversial for me. Number uh, three. Number three is Kyron Pollard. Yeah, can't argue with that one to be fair. Uh, number two is Lasit Malinga. Again, can't argue with that one. And your top international player is Shane Watson without a doubt at least for me wow wow okay that is a shock for me I'll be honest with you um Prasan I'm just gonna go quiet because I need to recover from your choices man uh ABD at five for me really yep okay uh, I've got Warner at four. Yeah, that was not too bad. Uh, Sheshwath at him at six. Uh, Bravo at three. Yeah. Pollard at two. And Lasit at one. See, I'm surprised. I am very, very surprised. I would have had AB number one. Right, justify your top five, Shashwat. I mean, I'll have to start with, oh, both of you, I'm going to come to you. Why AB is not number one? I'll start with you, Shashwat. Uh, so a lot of these things Prasen already explained a few minutes earlier. So one of the primary problems I had with AB, having AB higher than number four was that he has not really won the IPL so far, despite his brilliance as a batsman. But having said that, you can't really discount all that he has done in the IPL and the kind of assaults he has launched on a number of international quality, number of top-class bowlers. So, AB on pure batsmanship is perhaps right up there with alongside even, let's say, someone like a Virat Kohli or a Suresh Raina. But when it comes to ranking him, 
considering all other factors i don't think he could have been higher than number 4 simply because he has not been able to lead rcb to a trophy and his record in knockout games or qualifiers or eliminators has not really been as great as it should be for a batsman of his class well you know the fact that he's not won a trophy i mean it's down to your team for some is it down to ab i think i think if if given a choice i'd pick ab straight away in my team i mean i wouldn't pick anyone else for that matter of fact in my 11 but having said that i mean ab devilliers has i i'll say he's probably been uh, rcb's most successful batsman considering even virat kohli's been there but uh, the only problem there is i mean uh, why i put gale at 6 and ab at 5 is simply because i think uh, people fear or rather bowlers fear ab a lot more than they fear gale uh, gale is off late becoming more of a hit and miss player uh, whereas ab devilliers has been ultra consistent ever since he started off in rcb in 2011 and since then he's been like uh, you know the go to man uh, the crisis man for rcb and uh, unfortunately he hasn't uh, won us a trophy yet uh, that's that's unfortunately a truth that we'll have to live with um, until we win a trophy but having said that he's won the most man of the match awards and uh, you know he's been super superb with the bat but just that he hasn't won the trophy and the guys in the top 4 have uh, and they've played a direct role in it so that's that's the only reason ab is at 5 for me i'm going to take that in um uh, it was a, a slightly surprising to me but i accept your, your views and uh, what you said about ab i think that's a lot to do with the team as well but for you know reliability and uh, taking rcb rcb to win so i think he's done both of that uh, the fact that he's not won a trophy is possibly down to I don't think it's on his shoulders, but that's fine. That's okay. Because if you got Kieran Pollard on your top five, I think nobody can argue with that. Nobody can argue with Lasit Malinga being in the top two for both of you. Um, I mean, it's quite rightly your number one, uh, Brasan, um, a legend of the ball, uh, and uh, did amazing things and for Mumbai. Yeah, I think um, Shashwat will fondly remember the 2019 final uh, where his main man Shardul Thakur failed to read that slow ball. But yeah, I think um, look, Malinga's Malinga's India been to Mumbai. What AB has been to RCB, I think uh, he's been the go-to man for all crisis situations. Um, obviously, Malinga's had and has has had a fantastic impact. I mean, you have, you, you can see how he's even molded in uh, molded Jasprit Bumrah into the bowler that he is, and now Bumrah's taking over the mantle of Malinga with him not there. and all these years whatever malinga has done top wicket taker number of dot balls he's bowled the crucial wickets he's taken i think rashid khan can and bumrah can come closest to taking wickets at crucial moments so i think the amount of impact malinga has had no other bowler has had in world cricket uh, not just uh, you know ipl so i think uh, malinga's number one for me irrespective of uh, whatever else he's done in uh, international cricket Yeah, I, I I can't argue too much with that, but I want to hear just what reasoning for putting Jane Watson, Jane Watson even, as the best international player in terms of performance and impact on the IPL. Over to you, Shashwat. Just before yeah. that, I think Malinga's number two because of that 2019 <laughs> final. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually gutted that Shardul Thakur was not one of the options, so finally could have gotten one over Malinga. But anyway, wait wait till you see the top uh, Indian bowlers. Shardul Thakur. So I'll rank the bowlers from two to ten because at number one will be Shardul Thakur. <laughs> Why Shane Watson? Uh, that was that. It's a surprise when you look at that list. So yeah. You know, so uh, when I mean, just to, just to compare, Prasan put him at number seven. 
Yeah, so I think uh, these uh, discrepancies keep happening because last week I put Kohli at number seven. So I don't think that. I think you were the only one in India that would put Kohli at number seven. <laughs> to be fair. Uh yeah, I'm quite a staunch critic, but let's not go there. Yes. I only have about about three minutes to explain myself before before I have to rush for commentary. Yeah. So when talking about Shane Watson, he has had quite a profound impact on all the teams he has played for, barring RCB, because at RCB he came in at a time when the main men were Virat Kohli, Chris Gayle, and ABD Villiers. So they couldn't really. Harness the potential that Shane Watson as a cricketer has. If you look back at 2018, sorry, the 2008 IPL where he sing, see, pretty much single-handedly won Rajasthan Royals the IPL. He was brilliant with the bat, brilliant at the top of the order, taking crucial wickets. And I think his performance in the semi-final was one of the best all-round performances that has been seen in the IPL. Because it came at a situation where Rajasthan, the pressure was on Rajasthan because they had suddenly become the favourites after being written off even before a ball had been bowled. So for him to handle that sort of pressure, to put in those sorts of performances in all the key games is something that I admire of him and something that made me rate him very highly. And his tendency to come up trumps in big game situations continued throughout his IPL career. You talk about the 2018 IPL final with the Chennai Super Kings where he struck 100 despite being 0 of 10 balls against the Sunrisers Hyderabad attack. That was quite good. Then you talk about the final in 2019 where he batted with a injured knee. He had blood spitting all over his trousers but still he batted on and batted on until he could not do so and it was a little unfair or harsh that he was run out after such a glorious inning. So, apart from those things, I think Shane Watson's stats and in general, he's very underrated and underappreciated as an IPL cricketer because I'd just like to read out a few of his stats. So, in the IPL, he has scored 3,874 runs at an average of 31 and at a strike rate of 138, which isn't too bad considering that he has played in numerous roles. He's batted three, he's opened the innings, he's batted four, he batted in the lower middle order for RCB. And up until the last couple of seasons, he was also very, very effective with the ball, which is something that a lot of people ignore because to get 92 wickets in 145 games as an all-rounder at an economy rate under eight is simply magnificent. So when we are talking about Andre Russell being one of the best all-rounders to have played in the IPL or let's say Ben Stokes being one of the best all-rounders to have played in the IPL, I don't think any one of them can compare to Shane Watson, his longevity and the kind of performances he produced at times when his team needed. So, considering all of these factors, it was really, really hard for me to overlook him as... Because when we are talking about cricketer, best cricketers who have ever graced the IPL, you look at the contributions they had across the board. And Shane Watson, apart from just his cricketing contributions, is also a leader. He led the Rajasthan Royals for a couple of seasons. He was at the helm when a lot of youngsters were coming through. So, I think Shane Watson has had quite an impact on the IPL and the IPL is worse off with him not participating anymore. Well, well, I can't argue with that case. You make a very, very good, strong case for uh, why you put uh, Shane Watson at number one. And after what you said, I can't argue with that. It was a surprise, but you justify his selection. And um, yeah, I also agree with the fact that, you know, sometimes he doesn't get the recognition in the IPL in terms of um, when we look at all-rounders and contributions and performances. But yeah, another 
you know, fascinating list. And I know, Sheshwat, I'm not going to keep you any longer. You've got a big commitment. So, but thank you for joining the show today. Um, I really so appreciate it and really enjoyed it. Um, so hopefully I'll catch up with you soon as well. Sure, sure, sure. It was a pleasure being here. See you, see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. You, Sheshwat. Thanks. Rasan, um, again, a wonderful show. Uh, I know we had problems with the sound, or we have problems with the sound, but we're doing a bit of an upgrade in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to spend a bit of money uh, for the viewers and for the listeners of the podcast uh, to uh, get these little niggles out of the way so people can enjoy the show and we can build on the viewers. So that's coming in the way. So thank you for putting up with us. But Prasant, it's been a fantastic show again speaking to you. Um, just before you go, I need to ask, how's the situation back home? Uh, we've not talked about it for obvious reasons uh, uh, because, you know, we want to bring the lighter side of life that's going on at the moment. But um, hopefully things are slightly getting better. Yeah, they are getting a little better. Uh, we were currently under lockdown in Bangalore and uh, the chief minister announced that uh, we're going to have the lockdown for another week from 7th and it'll end on uh, 14th at 6 a.m. So I think the lockdown's helping a little bit. Um, the positivity rate is coming down. The cases are coming down. So I think it's positive signs that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're at least progressing in the right direction. Uh, hopefully, um, all these strict measures and, uh, you know, people actually cooperating helps us uh, recover quicker than uh, what we're anticipating. And, Everything goes back to normal soon. And how's the vaccination going? Because I think that is the way out. It certainly has been the way out for us in England. Um, the rates of the uh, Indian variant, or we're calling it the Delta one now, Delta variant, are going up, but we're not seeing the hospitalizations as yet going up. And certainly, thankfully, the death rates are in single digits almost. Um, so it's a vaccination program sort of working back home. Yeah, it's working out pretty well, I think, um, especially here in Bangalore, we're getting uh, quite a few slots uh, easily, available. I mean, not easily available, they're at least popping up uh, quite often. Um, and uh, actually now with people having taken their first dose, a lot more uh, slots are opening up for the general public to uh, book their um, vaccination uh, appointment. So I think it, it's moving on well, uh, there's definitely progress in the right direction and uh, hopefully uh, everything pans out well, and by um, July or August, we should be good to go for our second dose. Well, that's really good to hear and really heartening to hear. So, uh, once again, I'm glad things are going the right way uh, back home. And um, in terms of the show, really enjoyed it. Um, we are going to be taking a break for two weeks for listeners and viewers. Um, I'm going to have a couple of long weekends I've not had for over a, a year going away outside Leicester, believe it or not, even though Leicester is so beautiful. So we're going to take a, maybe a week break. I'll probably be able to do a show a week on Saturday. So we'll be back then because, Rasan, they're all must wins in terms of the quiz now. Uh, two one <laughs> down with two to play. So um, we're going to build up the tension. Uh, when we come back because uh, that is a must-win quiz for you and uh, we'll see how and I'm looking forward to it but in the meantime please stay safe uh, yourself and your family thank you for today and um, we'll talk to you very soon yeah thanks a lot but it was a lot of fun you always make it lively so uh, it's always fun to be here and uh, discuss cricket thanks a lot take care